0: So great awesome. to have you. That's great to be here. Thanks, Ted, and Steve. Great to see you as well. And um, thank you. It's been so fun, uh, and it has been great to get to know Ted over the past, um, you know, several months. And uh, yeah, new things based on Isaiah chapter 43, where the prophet says, "I am doing a new thing. Uh, you know, forget the former things; do not dwell on the past." And uh, we believe God is doing some new amazing work uh, in and around Chicagoland. I live on the north side of the city and the church that we're a part of started in Naperville and we have various locations in the suburbs and in the city but new thing is uh, an exciting opportunity for us to link arms with other churches across um, uh, geographies and, and denominations and cultures and say, hey, we're, we're better together. Let's come together as friends on mission to do what uh, we can't do on our own and that God didn't want us to do on our own anyway. And we talk about the, the, the great collaboration. You know, there's the great commission to go and, and teach and baptize. And, and there's the great commandment to uh, love uh, one another and love God. But I think sometimes we forget the great, collaboration in John 17 where Jesus said uh, I want you to be one as I and the Father are one and I think this is one way we can do that, is to come together in small groups, actually, of, and I know you're big on small groups, but it really is about small groups of pastors coming together as friends on mission uh, to start churches together. So, Ted, thanks a lot. It's it's so fun to be here. And I know you have a great history of church planting and multiplication, and so um, we're excited about what God's going to do moving forward. You know, last, last summer, uh, this past summer, I had a Sunday off, and if you're, Uh, a pastor and you have a Sunday off, it's kind of a special and unique uh, sort of day and a rare opportunity. And so you have this expectation and desire, you know, for God to speak or to be encouraged in, in kind of a special and profound way. And so I came to a service here. At the, at the vineyard. I think it was like June or July, something like that. My wife Lisa's with me. And uh, man, it was great to be here. It really was. I mean, the, the worship was moving, um, the fellowship was sweet, uh, the teaching was very challenging. Uh, Ted was not here. <laughs> I don't know if that had anything to do with the teaching being challenging that day or not, but uh, I think Ted was on a much-needed break, vacation. But uh, truth is, in the short time that we've had to get to know each other, it's been—he's been a real encouragement, and I know that you are just incredibly blessed to have him as your pastor. And that's yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah, do that, would you? All right. <laughs> um, and you know, we we might not know each other very well, but can I? Uh, share something with you uh, just between us, okay? And and it's something that kind of bugs me a little bit, all right? Is that okay? Give me a nod of the head. Can we we talk? All right, good. All right. Uh, Here it is. I often feel a little bit underwhelmed when I hear celebrities describing their faith. I feel a little bit underwhelmed when I hear celebrities describing their faith. Anybody else feel that way sometimes? If you, you know, we're honest. Uh, Okay, for example, Chris Pratt. All right. Seems like a great guy. Uh, Every time we've connected, he's been he's been wonderful to me, which is never, ever. Uh, But when asked about his recent involvement in church, he said, I always feel like love tends to win out over fear. And I mean, that's a a beautiful and nice response, but not exactly a clear commitment to Jesus, is it? Uh, Then recently, I came across an Instagram ad for a prayer app featuring actor Mark Wahlberg. And I was intrigued, but honestly, I was a little bit let down when he said, hey all, Mark Wahlberg here reminding you to pray up and be blessed. Now, don't get me wrong. I am grateful that celebrities or anybody is talking about their faith at all, right? And, you know, I failed way more times than I get it right when sharing my own faith. But when you listen closely, doesn't it sort of seem like fewer and fewer people have much less to, fewer and fewer people have much to say about Jesus or why they're a Christian, and instead they mostly talk about God in general or simply being a good person. Doesn't it seem like that? Uh, now, to be fair, I think there is one notable exception. Uh, Stephen Colbert, Uh, last year he had uh, Dua Lipa on his show. Maybe you saw this or have you seen a recording of this conversation between them two. And Dua Lipa asked Colbert a surprisingly an honest question that I think caught him off guard a little bit. She asked him, what does your faith have to do with your comedy? What does your faith have to do with your comedy? And Colbert gave an incredibly thoughtful answer. And he began by saying that he's both Christian and Catholic. He referenced Jesus by name. He talked about how death does not have the last word and that love and sacrifice and giving yourself to others is what really matters. And it was one of those genuinely beautiful moments we rarely see on TV. And I found myself surprisingly shocked that he would be so open about his faith in such a public way. And then I got to thinking, you know, well, if I, a pastor, am surprised that a celebrity would be so open about their faith, then I wonder, could it be that Christianity does have a real PR problem right now? And then I saw this research, not particularly encouraging research in a Barna survey earlier this year, that said 42% of people with no faith said that the hypocrisy of Christian people causes them to doubt the Christian faith? 42%. In a 2022 poll conducted by Ipsos for the Episcopal Church of those who claim no religious affiliation, over 50% said they would describe Christians as hypocritical, self-righteous, and judgmental. Yikes, right? And I know you might be thinking, well, that's, that's, that's not me. That, that's, that's those other Christians, right? and it may not be you in particular, but I think we have to own the fact that that is how we are perceived in general, right? It might not be you, but that's sadly the perception that a lot of people have of Christians. So we do, we have a PR problem. But you know, this isn't the first time that Jesus or his followers have had a PR problem. Uh, Luke, the doctor and historian, wrote about it this way in Luke chapter 15 He writes, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, we know that in the first century Jewish culture, tax collectors were despised as as traitors who worked on behalf of the Roman government, right? And sinners was sort of this broad category applied to people who were considered hopelessly irreligious. Now, it's interesting that our PR problem today is with what non-religious people think about religious people or Christians, but in Jesus' day, his PR problem was with what religious people thought about non-religious people. Interesting, isn't it? But you see, here's the good news. Here's the good news. See, Jesus didn't see people like the religious people saw people. No. And if we're going to overcome our PR problem, we need to see people like Jesus saw people. And we need to bless people like Jesus blessed people. You know, one of the most powerful stories of how Jesus saw people and blessed people takes place in Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And I think the selection of scriptures in your program, if you want to follow along, or we'll also have it on the screen. But we pick up the story in chapter 9, where we read this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Let me read that again. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, I want you to take notice. As Jesus went on from there, who did Jesus see? What does it say? He saw a. Yeah, he saw a man. When Jesus saw Matthew, he simply saw a man. Now, is there any doubt that everybody else there saw a tax collector? a traitor, you know, maybe even uh, someone they would consider a a lost cause. Now, I may have to ask for forgiveness here, but if, if you live in the city of Chicago like I do, which I know many of you do, when you think of a tax collector, you might, like me, think of the people who walk our streets in the yellow and orange vests that give out parking tickets on behalf of the Chicago Revenue Department. Anybody else have that come to mind? If, you're, if you happen to do that for a living, please forgive me, okay? But when I see one of them, I, I kind of have to work hard to see a person because usually what I see is more money coming out of my pocket and into the city. And what I love is that, that Matthew, okay, don't forget Matthew wrote this account about himself, all right? He's writing this, and when everyone else saw him as a cheat and as a traitor, he wrote that Jesus saw him as a man, a man created in the image of God, but see, that's what Jesus did. He saw people. I mean, how about the time Jesus intervened when a crowd wanted to stone a woman caught in adultery, right? I mean, Jesus didn't see an adulteress. He saw a woman in some really tough circumstances, Or the time when Jesus touched and healed a man of leprosy. Jesus didn't see a leper. He saw a man with a horrific disease. He saw someone no one else dared get close enough to see. And here, Matthew is writing of his own encounter with Jesus. And he doesn't say that Jesus saw a cheater, a traitor, or even a tax collector. He says that Jesus saw a man, a person, right? And so I wonder... Maybe people see us as judgmental sometimes because they don't think we see them as people, but maybe as projects or worse yet, as uh, poor performers. Jesus saw a man. He saw a person. And then Jesus says to this man, follow me. Follow me. And he followed him just like that. And then we get to the really fun part of the story, right? It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Yeah, Matthew throws a party for Jesus. And there's food, and likely lots of food, and good food. I mean, in the ancient world, a guest of honor would almost always be thrown a banquet or a party. And the fact that Matthew was a tax collector meant that he was probably wealthier than most. And his house was probably bigger than most and had lots of really good food that a lot of people couldn't afford in that day. And so this would have been a very nice party. I mean, the kind you want to be invited to. I mean, let's get honest here, okay? This is not the kind of invitation that you receive and you're quickly looking for an excuse not to go. Don't act like you don't do that because I know you do sometimes, right? No, this is the kind of party you're ripping that invitation open and you look at it and you go, oh, I hope I don't have a conflict, And yet this party wasn't limited to a button-down crowd of respectable people. Now, Matthew invites outsiders. He invites people he knows best, his friends. And what an incredible blessing it must have been to share a meal with Jesus. Can you imagine? But that's what Jesus did. He saw people and he blessed them. You know, there wasn't a single breath, not a blink of an eye or a moment in his life in which, in which Jesus wasn't sent by God to bless the people in places he came across. One quick example. As as word spread far and wide about Jesus blessing people, look what happened. People were bringing children to Jesus so that he would what? Yeah, bless them, right. Mark writes, he hugged the children and he blessed them. But you know what? This was not a new idea. This is not something that Jesus even made up here. No, God's people were blessed to be a blessing from the very beginning, back in Genesis. God blessed Abraham and called him to leave everything he knew so he could go and bless all people on earth. And, and hear me on this, okay? I am convinced that we will no longer have a PR problem when we begin to see people the way Jesus saw people and bless people the way Jesus blessed people. See, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, right? Jesus was blessed to be a blessing. Matthew was blessed to be a blessing. And now because of Jesus, we too are blessed to be a blessing. I mean, Paul in his uh, letter to the church at Galatia draws a line from Abraham to us when he writes, those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And what the apostle Paul here is saying is that, you know, the same promise of blessing for Abraham is a promise to us if we choose to follow Jesus, But that blessing is not not for us to hoard or to keep for ourselves, right? No, we are blessed to be a blessing. Now, I got to tell you, this is where this whole idea really hits home for me and and the church where I come from at my home church community. As I know is the case here at the Vineyard, you know, over the years, you know, we've seen and experienced firsthand the impact of following Jesus in the lives of hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people. But I got to tell you, quite a few years back, we began to wrestle with how we could better share the gospel, how we could better share the love of Jesus with family and friends and, and our neighbors, and and we had to admit at times that, in spite of our best efforts, it too often came off like a, a maybe a bad sales pitch or an effort to get somebody to do something they didn't really seem to even want to do. You know what I mean? And so for the past several years, we started asking a different question. We said, you know what? Well, what if we were to just bless people the way Jesus blessed people? Yeah, what if we were to bless people the way Jesus blessed people? And, and what if we could help the very people in our church who have experienced a life-changing relationship with Christ begin to bless their friends and neighbors as well? You know, not, not coerce or, or try to convince, you know, leave that to the Holy Spirit, but instead just simply bless people the way Jesus blessed people. And then what we did is we took a deeper look at the life of Jesus. And you know what? We discovered five ways that Jesus went about blessing the people he came across every single day. And interestingly enough, and in some ways because I'm a pastor, they form an acrostic and they spell the word bless. Now, don't tune me out because it forms an acrostic. Okay, I can't even say the word acrostic. Tune me in because this is going to help you remember it. And these are simply five ways Jesus went about blessing the people and places he came across every single day. It spells the word bless. And this is not a stick or a method. This is a way of living. And I believe this is what it looks like to see people the way Jesus saw people and to bless people the way Jesus blessed people. So if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, this is when you start doing it right now. Okay, this is your cue, all right? Write these down, all right? Here we go. Again, it spells the word bless, all right? The B in bless is for begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. You know, when, when Jesus started his earthly ministry, Luke, the doctor and historian, tells us that before he did anything else, what did he do? You probably know, what did he do? He went out to a mountainside and he prayed, Right? Over and over, we see Jesus retreating to prayer. You know, prayer preceded and permeated his mission from beginning to end. And so I tell people, if you're not sure who God wants you to bless or, you know, who God wants you to influence with the love of Jesus, like him, like Jesus, you can begin with prayer. Prayer is how you can ask God, Lord, who is it that you want me to bless? But it's also a way that you can begin blessing those people right away. You know, you know one way I begin with prayer is through a list that I keep in my journal. Of friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus. And I have that list and on that list are people that live right around me. Sam and and Dave live across the street. Tom and Julie, longtime friends whose kids went to school with my my kids, Matt and Tammy. You know, another couple that you know, I often see Matt when I'm out walking around the neighborhood early in the morning with my first cup of coffee. And a while back, you know, somebody said to me, Uh, You know, John, there are people that you come across every single day who have never once had someone pray for them. Think about that. My mom and dad, they prayed for me before I was even born in the womb. There are people that you come across every single day who have never once had someone pray for them. And he didn't mean, you know, stop people in the middle of the street, raise your hands and pray out loud and make a scene. No, he just meant to simply and quietly ask God to bless that person or ask God to help you know how you can bless that person. Oswald Chambers writes this. He says, the real business of your life as a saved soul is intercessory prayer. This quote has been rocking my world, praying on behalf of others. And then he says, prayer does not fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. You see, you are already blessing people when you pray for them. It counts, right? Right? So B is for what? Help me out. Begin with with prayer. Yeah, you got it. Good. B is for begin with prayer. The L in bless is for, it's a good guess. Love is a good guess. Listen. Listen. You know, sadly, most Christians are known for talking way more than listening. Would you agree? And you see, asking questions and then listening, again, that was central to Jesus' life and teachings. Read the Gospels. Jesus listened. I'm reminded of the time that Jesus heard Bartimaeus, a man who was blind, call out, asking him for help, crying to him. And instead of coming to him and immediately healing him, what did Jesus do? He asked him a question, right? What do you want me to do for you? Why do you suppose he asked him that question? I mean, wasn't it obvious he wanted to see? See, I think Jesus wanted to offer him the dignity of stating exactly what he wanted and the chance to confess his faith. In his book, Jesus is the Question, Martin Copenhaver says, in the gospel accounts, Jesus asked over 300 questions. He asked way more questions than he ever answered. Most of the time, Jesus just listened. And see, I'm convinced that truly listening, truly listening, and you've experienced this, you know what it's like, maybe the kindest and most loving gift you can give someone. I love these words from author and professor David Augsburger. He writes, being heard is as close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Being heard is as close to being loved that you can hardly tell it apart. When you're being heard, you know you're being loved, aren't you? All right. So we begin with prayer and then what? We listen, right? Okay. And this next one's my favorite. The E and bless is for eat. And I know it's about lunchtime, so it's dangerous for me to even talk about it right now, isn't it? We eat. This one's my favorite. I'm really good at this one. But we already talked about how Jesus blessed Matthew and his friends by sharing a meal, eating with them, right? But again, look at the life of Jesus. Look at his ministry throughout the Gospels. So much was centered around meals. What did we do? Right before I came up here, we shared a, a meal, Right? To remember the resurrection and death of Jesus, the bread, right? The cup. Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding feast. One of his most famous miracles was feeding the 5,000, right? The night before his crucifixion, he brought together his closest friends for what? A meal. I mean, there's something about sharing a meal together that moves almost any relationship from acquaintance to friendship faster than almost anything else you can do. Isn't that true? You ever had that experience where, you know, you have an acquaintance, you know somebody, you know, somewhat well, but then you go out and you share a meal and it's like your best friends. You've probably experienced that with some of the people in this room. So true. And what I love about this is that this is something you can do and not add anything to your already busy schedule. How many meals do you eat in a week? Let's be honest. Three a day, seven days in a week. 21 meals, we won't include desserts and stops at the cafe or Starbucks for a grande latte or whatever your drink is, right? 21 meals a week. You don't have to add anything to your busy schedule in order to bless people this way. Just include someone in, some, in what you're already doing. Ask them to join you for that meal. In their book right here, right now, our friends Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford write about the power of sharing a meal and they say, sharing meals together is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Think about that. They go on to say, if every Christian family regularly invited a stranger into their home for a meal once a week, we could literally change the world by eating. That's not so bad, huh? You come in, the guest speaker tells you you can change the world by eating. (laughs) Let's go. All right. (laughs) So we begin with prayer. Then what? right? Then what? Eat together, all right? And then the next letter, the first S in bless is for serve. Serve. Uh, Jesus could not have been more clear when he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And, and Jesus modeled for us, I think, that if you begin with prayer, and if you truly listen and eat with somebody, you will discover how to best serve them, right? And praying and listening and eating together, I think, ensures that the serving is actually about the person being served and not the person doing the serving, right? You know, one of the ways my wife uh, Lisa and I uh, served one of our neighbors this fall was by raking their leaves while they were out of town. I hate raking leaves. It's one of the advantages of moving from the suburbs to the city. I didn't have a yard to rake leaves anymore. Here I am raking leaves. Trust me, it wasn't my idea. It was her idea. (laughs) But we did, and it was a simple way to serve. And I think it's all about what it looks like to see people the way Jesus saw people and bless people the way Jesus blessed people. And he served people in loving and in practical ways. So we begin with prayer. We listen. We eat. We serve in loving and practical ways. And then finally, you look for the opportunity to share the story of Jesus. The last S and blesses for Story. You share how his grace and love and mercy has transformed your life. And it reminds me of Doubting Thomas coming to Jesus and saying, hey, how can we know the way? And Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, a relationship with me. See, when you befriend and bless people, I think they're going to want to know what makes you different. Why do you do what you do? And then when that opportunity arises, you share with them. How the love of Jesus has transformed your life. So you begin with prayer, you listen, you eat, you serve, and then story, you share your story. I mean, just just imagine with me what a difference it could make if we began to see ourselves as blessers. I mean, people who are in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, right? Blessed to be a blessing. I mean, who doesn't want to be blessed? Blessed. I mean, wouldn't you love to know that someone cared enough about you to pray for you? Sure you would, right? And and. and being listened to. I mean, truly being listened to, like like you're the only person who really matters. I mean, who doesn't need that, right? Or or just think about how it felt the last time someone invited you to join them for a meal, even if you couldn't do it. Wasn't it great to be asked? Of course it was. You felt loved, right? And wouldn't you feel loved if someone offered to serve you in a, in a practical and, and meaningful way, and then maybe even sat down and shared their story with you, or asked you to share their story with them? And, and what if that's What if that's just what Jesus is inviting us to do? It's doing what he did, right? Blessing people in places around us in loving and practical ways. Folks, we will overcome our PR problem. We will. When we begin to see people the way Jesus saw people and bless people the way Jesus blessed people. And, you know, I know that uh, in, in the past couple of weeks and the weeks to follow, you're encouraging people who belong to the, to the vineyard here to sign up for small groups. And, and I, I love that. This small group fair is amazing. And being in a small group and, and or leading a small group has been a key part of uh, my wife and I, our marriage for the past 34 years. We've always been in some kind of small group of some kind. And as much as I love coming together as you do here at the Vineyard and enjoying incredible worship music and great teaching from Ted, um, the real stuff of my faith, and I know Ted would back me up on this, happens around a table or a living room, or a cafe, or wherever it might be where your small group gathers with people seeking to grow in their faith together. And, and, and let me also say this whole idea of seeing people the way Jesus sees people and blessing people the way Jesus blessed people is best lived out in community, in relationship. And so at our church, we're very much, you know, um, of one mind with you in that way. You know. When people come to small group, we challenge our leaders to ask people in their group time, who did you bless this week? Who did you bless this week? And if you say you began with prayer, that you're intentionally praying for somebody that God has put on your heart and mind, then that's awesome. You're, you're doing it. You're on mission. Prayer is not the least we can do. Prayer is the most we can do. And that's why, you know, being a blessing starts when we begin with prayer. And I think bless is also just a great template for your small group when you come together. I mean, just, just imagine if you would for a moment, you know, if we all showed up for small group looking to bless each other. What if you arrived saying, I'm going to look for an opportunity to bless the people that I'm gathering with here. And, and we all together as a group bless the world around us. I mean, what if we just began with prayer and before you did anything else in your group, you simply said, Father, we give this time to you. And what if instead of you know seeking to speak first, we sought to truly listen to each other? That was our posture, you know, to seek first to understand rather than seeking to be understood. And what if our groups were eating together and sharing meals and serving one another in practical and loving ways? And what if we actually took the time to share our stories, right, of how the gospel and love of Jesus is changing our lives? I mean, does anybody want to be a part of a group like that? Yeah, I'm in. Right, let's go. And again, what if part of that group time was an opportunity for us to challenge each other and hold each other accountable to blessing the people that aren't a part of this community yet? I think that could change the spiritual landscape of Evanston. I think it could change the spiritual landscape of our city and of our world. That's my challenge. May we see people the way Jesus saw people and bless people the way Jesus blessed people. Are you with me? All right, good. Let's pray, Father God, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come here and gather and worship and and just uh, experience your presence and know that you're with us. And God, we we uh, we recognize that there is a perception of of us that does not reflect you in any way. So God, help us to um, help us to truly love and see people the way you loved and saw people and help us to bless people the way you blessed people. God, place people on our hearts and minds, even right now, that you want us to encourage in these ways. And thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us every step of the way. You are always with us as we extend ourselves to others. In your name we pray. Amen.